Welcome to another episode of Dio Talk. I'm Dio. Let's talk. My guest today is Faith Fulton. How are you today? I'm doing great, Dio. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a pleasure to meet you. Finally, have you here on the podcast. I've been um, I've been looking forward to this uh, this conversation. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of research on you. I checked your website, which is awesome. Um, a couple of questions I want to ask you just to. Uh, just to educate myself. So you're, you're a key speaker, correct? Yes, I'm a keynote speaker. And a uh, business storyteller. Am I saying that right? Yes, I'm a keynote speaker and a business storytelling consultant. Got it, got it. Uh, I would love to know a little bit about um, what does the business uh, storytelling consist of? I'm, I'm, it's the first time I, I've I actually heard something like that. So I'm very intrigued to see what's the, what's the concept. What's the 411? <laughs> well, that makes me really happy that this is the first time you'll, you'll hear some information about business storytelling. Yes, yes. It is my passion. And it's an incredible communication tool. And that's the way you want to work with storytelling in the business arena. But I'll tell you, Dio, it's been so crazy because over the last five or so years, Mm -hmm. story and storytelling have become buzzwords in business. And now everybody is talking about story. They use the word story. They talk about it. But in fact, so few people understand what story actually is. And there are very few people I come across that are using story effectively in the business world. I I am just constantly amazed at what people call story. Yes, yes. In fact, they don't have anything that comes close to being story. They're simply calling it story. Mm -hmm. And that adds to this whole big confusion with what story in the business world is. There's so much misinformation. Uh, For example, here's a great example. I come across this all the time. I'll meet someone, say, at a networking meeting. You know, it's a business setting. Yes, yes. And they'll say, well, here's my story. I started my business 17 years ago in my garage. It was just me and my best friend, Buddy. But now we have 250 people. We have offices in Miami. We have one in San Francisco. We have one in Portland, Maine. And last year, our sales were over $6 But we have plans. By 2025, we're going to have an office in Australia, one in Portugal, one in Spain, and our sales are going to top 25 million. Wow. They call that story. They're just stating facts. That is nothing that comes even close to being. So people will share that with me and they're calling it story, but actually it's nothing that comes close to story. What that is, is a data dump. And no one is going to remember any of those numbers, any of those facts. And that's one of the reasons that I love what I do. Because when I am in front of a large group of people keynoting, or when I'm working one-on-one with my clients, I always have an educational component to my work. I need to educate them on what business story is and how to work with business story. I work with a lot of people that are pretty high up, CEOs, vice presidents, and they'll come to me and let's say, look, I'm going to give this presentation. My team has told me I need a story. And then the next thing they say is, but I don't want to tell a story. Story is nothing but fluff. I want to share all my numbers, all my statistics, all my facts. 
And I just start to educate them right away. Because in fact, the story is much more important than all those numbers and data. Because numbers and data can only be understood in context. So you give your audience or your listeners a story. And then all those numbers, if you share any, make sense to us. Us little peons who are listening. The story is much more important than all those numbers. But again, no one's going to remember any of those numbers. They just, you know, fly right over. You know, we hear them, but we don't, we don't digest them. We're not going to remember them. Yeah, so it will give the story helps to give you a better presentation, a more memorable presentation rather than um, I'm letting you know all the facts about my company, but that's about it. Oh, yeah, no one will remember that. But we humans, we remember story. And there's so much neurological, scientific data on that. The human brain thinks in a story structure. So all the data we take in, we take it in through our senses, through our eyes, through our ears, through our smell. But then the brain puts all that information into a story format. And that's how we understand. So when you think about it, We remember stories, and that's one of the reasons, the neuroscience, how the brain actually works. But another really powerful, strong reason to work with stories in the business world is because stories are co-created. And that's another reason we remember stories. While I am telling you a story, you're going to be creating an image of that inside your brain. The brain works in images. And because you're part of the creator, you're going to remember it. And that's why us humans, we remember stories. We're not going to remember the numbers or the data. Um, All right, let me share an example with you. So what what if I said this to you? What if I said she put on her emerald green dress, stepped into her black stiletto heels, selected the perfect hat for the occasion, strapped the kids into the backseat of the car and drove off toward downtown. Now, when you were listening, you weren't just sitting there. You were creating an image of this woman yes, inside yes, of your head. Yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. This, is what I, this is one of the things I love about storytelling. When I share this and explain it, everybody's like, oh my God, that's right. Yes, story is really powerful. All right, so let me ask you this. When you were listening... What kind of hat did you see on that woman's head? Uh, one of these fancy hats, like summer hats on them. It's like it's, it's big and round. Okay, like one so of those. Yeah. Like a, a big brimmed hat. Yes. Yes. And no, in fact, that's not what I was talking about. Because that woman had a Christmas hat on her head. Wow. She was taking her daughters to downtown to see the Christmas lights that day. But. The thing is, your story will never match my story because you'll have your own unique image of it in your head. I'll have a different image of it. Um, Here's another example. Have you ever read a book? Mm -hmm. And then maybe a month later, you go to see the movie. And the movie starts the role and you're like, that's not what the main woman looks like. Oh, uh uh-uh. She's a blonde. Uh, We We do that all the time. Yes, yes. 
But that's why we remember story. So it's, it's an incredibly powerful tool. If yes. you've got a message, you want people to remember what you've said. And that's the mark of a really great story. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, it really is. It's fascinating. When like so when you like one of your, your clients uh, uh, approach you, like, do they give you certain information or do you ask them certain information on or I need this, this and this? You, you have particular questions to ask them in order to create the story dialogue for them. Well, it's always different. And that I love, you know, everyone is always different. Their needs are always different. And I have a lot of people that I work with and they'll say, okay, my team told me I have to tell a story. So I need a story, but I don't have any stories. <laughs> I don't have any. And of course we all have stories, but I understand that because to you, you live through it to you. It was just life. It doesn't feel like a story to you. Yes. So very often I have exercises that I go through with my clients so they can bring their stories to the forefront of their mind because the stories we work with in the business world are true stories. I won't work with anyone who says, well, I'm going to make this story up. No, this is one of the reasons you want to use story in the business world. It's to help convey to the people that you work with, to potential clients, to customers, investors, what type of person you are. That's one way to use story. And so the stories have got to be real stories. And they're about the kind of person you are. But there are different types of stories to use in the business world. But yes, very often, we really have to dig. It's got to be a true story. So the journey is one that Right now in my life, I feel like I've come full circle almost. And what I mean is I got started with storytelling very, very early in my life. And then my career, it's always been in communication. But over the last six years, I've niched that. So the only kind of communication that I talk about as a keynote speaker or work with with my clients today is business storytelling. So that's it. I've niched it down. You know, that's yes. what I'm known for. But starting really, really early, I've always been fascinated with story. I had a fabulous childhood. In fact, I wouldn't trade my childhood with any other person on earth. I grew up in Italy. Wow. I know. Wow. You know, it was just, oh my gosh, I took it all in. I just loved it. So I, my father got this huge promotion. He was a big wig in the corporate world. Well, why wouldn't we move? He got a fabulous opportunity for his career. And that's what brought us to Italy. And I got to Italy before I was six years old. And that's when you really go out in the world. You know, when you're a kid, you're in your parents' home. You know, you know yes. their home. That's about it. So I don't remember much of anything when we lived here. It was when I got to Italy. And that's when I got out in the world. And of course, the Italy back then is very different than the Italy of today. Have you been? Have you? Ever no, been? I have not. Have, one day, hopefully soon. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm certainly biased. Yeah, but fabulous people, fabulous food, fabulous culture. I mean, come on, the Italians. But anyway, uh, growing up, um, well, have have you been to Europe? 
No, uh, the, the most I've been is <laughs> Puerto Rico, which I grew up, a place I grew up in, and that's about it. Very, I haven't oh. traveled that much. Oh, my favorite is Old San Juan. The yes. history of those buildings is so beautiful. Well, in in most major cities in Europe, all throughout Europe, people live in high rise apartment buildings, and we did too. Um, I lived in a in a neighborhood with three high rise apartment buildings. The whole thing was gated. We had this enormous park, but I was a tomboy. And back then there were very, very few Americans who lived in Italy. So when I moved into the neighborhood, I was always outside. I met my neighbors and my friends immediately because I was a tomboy. I was out there playing and word spread like wildfire. There's an American girl in the neighborhood. Mm. How I got interested in story was one of my neighbors and she actually lived on the third floor we had the penthouse we were way up high but she lived on the third floor and she was actually my second family I grew up with two families my American family and then my other family was actually just one woman and she was a retired opera singer she was a very famous opera singer in Europe and she was also a contessa now, when I met her, she had been retired for a few years and she was approaching 70 at a gallop. But when she retired, she acquired that disease called agoraphobia. So mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't go outside, you stay inside. Mm-hmm. You just have this fear of going outside. And so she was very often on her balcony, but she never left her apartment. And that's how we met. She heard that there was this new American girl. She heard people talking about me. So she was out on her balcony one day and she called me over and she said, I want to meet you. Come up to my apartment. And after that, we just developed this incredible, really special relationship. She had never had children, but she treated me like I was her daughter. And because she never left her apartment, well, all of her friends came to visit her. Well, all of her friends were these famous performers, too. You know, dancers, choreographers, singers, and they were people from all different countries speaking all different languages. These people were sensational storytellers. And that's how I got interested in story way back when. And it was incredible. So I got to listen to all these different languages, all these different cultures, these people from all these different religions. They were all telling these amazing stories. But then to compound that, so we were always telling stories when I was with the Contessa. But back then, my father would save up his vacation time every two years. And when he did that, we would have the whole summer to vacation. And so we would leave Italy. We'd go to the United States to visit my grandparents. And, you know, my grandparents knew me when I was an infant, but I didn't remember any of that. So actually, I remember meeting my grandparents when I was eight eight years old. And we stayed, we stayed in their house for you know, a month and a half. And then we went to my other grandparents and they lived in a different state. But my mother's parents, um, big Texans, mm. and they lived right on the Gulf of Mexico. And when I was eight, I met my grandfather and he was retired by then. And what he did all day long was he wrote stories. And it was so amazing to me because no one else in my family was creative. I was the only one. And I didn't even think I had relatives that were creative. And here was my grandfather 
And he would walk around with one of those pads that had the spiral at the top. Yes, yes. All day long. And he wrote his stories. But his stories were so different than the stories we told in Italy because his stories had a special little vent to it. His stories had to rhyme. So I called. It was. It was so different. I called my grandfather, Papaw. And Papa and I would spend hours together rhyming his stories. And then every night after we ate dinner, we'd still be around the dining table and Papa would tell us the story he had written that day. And most of them were absolutely hilarious. He was such a great story writer and storyteller. So that's how I actually started my journey with story. It's like always been with me. Wow. But now I, I get to do this for my living and I just have such tremendous passion for it and I love being able to open up people's eyes like you well, I haven't even yes. heard about business storytelling what, what is this about what no I'm, I, I, I'm uh in college they, they will teach you about speech and they'll put like TED talks in and give you certain examples of important speech throughout history but like never I've never heard that like a story of a business you know like that you emphasize so much I've Never, you know, I, I found it now fascinating, you know, because uh, I can imagine how many entrepreneurs you help uh, put words together and and they just get popular because their story is so amazing. Well, it takes a lot of skills to be a good storyteller. You know, it's, it's one of the big challenges because, well, say, for instance, you can write a story. Yes. But when you get up to tell it, if you're a bad presenter. It's going to fall flat on its face. Yes, yes. You know, it it takes a heck of a lot of skill. And I love that challenge. But something else about the neuroscience is the, the brain is always looking for something unique or something new. And that's when we really like take notice. Oh, I've never heard that before. I've never heard it stated in that particular way. Or I never thought about that before. So that's one of the challenges also that a storyteller is up against. You're going to have to be an incredible writer. You need to have precise language and wonderful phrasing because you've got to keep those people with you from the very beginning all the way through the end of your story. It's like an emotional, emotional roller coaster. You got to keep them on their toes. I am so glad you use that word, Dio. Yes. <laughs> because it's a major component of story. Emotion. All these people that call anything a story, one of the things they're truly lacking is emotion. That has to be part of a story. And, you know, as we were talking just a few minutes ago, we make decisions based on our emotions. And then we justify these decisions later. Yes, that is 100% correct. Yeah. And so if you cannot connect with your audience on an emotional level, as well as an intellectual level, then you are not a storyteller. You're a lecturer. And there are huge differences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's one of the things I love about story. It takes a heck of a lot of skills. 
And those skills need to be on the same level. But I'll tell you, people are just so confused. Like when I give a keynote speech, you know, I speak in front of large groups of people. So there might be 500, 800 people in the room. And when I work one-on-one with my clients, at the beginning, I'll throw it out there. Someone please share a definition of storytelling with me. Give me the definition of story. And nine times out of 10, the definition I always hear is this one. All right, story. Story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. (laughs) The most common one. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Yes, it does. And that doesn't help us at all to understand story. I mean, even a cockroach and Thanksgiving dinner has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But this is what I mean. So many people are just confused about story. But I understand that confusion. I truly do. Because most of us, we start learning about story when we're really tiny. You know, our parents would read us to sleep by telling us or reading a story. So it's very true. Yeah. So because story has been our lives almost from the beginning, most people think they understand story. They think they know story until they try to write one. And then they realize they're in over their head and like, oh, I don't really know what to do. But it's one of those things that we feel really familiar with. And I know that that adds to the confusion for most people. It's just something we're really close to. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to brass tacks, you know, I really don't know what to do. (laughs) Would you say would you say that that's almost like a lost art uh, storytelling? Because like, like, I must repeat, like in school, they'll, they'll teach you, you know, just give me, you know, direct information, no need, don't so much uh, detail. But that's one, one of the most important components of storytelling is the, the, the description, the detail within the story that makes it uh, valuable. So true. I mean, you are hitting it on the nail. Now, remember, you're the storyteller. And what you have to do is get all those people listening to your story, creating a very clear visual inside of their head. So yes, the details are exceedingly important. But what I find most people do is they go way overboard with the details. Mm. Well, if you give anyone too much of anything, there's going to be nothing but confusion. Yes, yes. The people are so tempted when they're, when they're trying to write a story to include everything but the kitchen sink. And it's, it's a big mistake because the human mind can't, we can't handle that much at one time. There has to be important details that matter. You don't want to over, over flood it with details that, uh, you know, the curtain is red, but there was no reason that you, you have to say the curtain is red. It's not within the story realm. Bingo. Yes. You include those important details and those details that will help them create that specific image in their mind. Yeah. But they, they've got to be there, the details, because it's one of the ways we're going to keep them with us. The brain will be interested in hearing. Yes, yes. Do you often get confused with motiva- uh, motivational speakers? Because it's, it's the difference. Like, it, what we have so uh, said so far, it's, 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 you know, it's a big difference. Obviously, one is more passionate and detail-oriented than the other. 
there's a huge difference. Yes. And actually, I, I just have to smile when I hear the words motivational speaker, because the fact is, there's no such thing. And the reason is motivation comes from within. What I could do as a speaker is inspire you, but only you can motivate yourself to do something, to take action. So actually it's a misnomer when I hear motivational speaker, but I'm known as what is called an educational speaker Mm. because you know, like I shared with you, I, I've just niched it down. The only thing I talk about now is business storytelling. So when I'm a keynote at a conference people have gone to, they're going to leave my speech knowing a lot about business storytelling. Now, whether or not those people take action with the information I've given them, it's 100% up to them. But they will understand story when they leave my speech because I'm an educational speaker. Yeah. But you're right. There, there are many different types of speakers. Yeah. But there's really no such thing as a motivational speaker. Yes. Uh, that's why uh, I was very, when we first started, I was very, uh, I don't want to uh, say you were a motivated speaker because I, like I said, I went through your website and like it called my attention because, yeah. because it's, it's, you know, a lot of people will say, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker. But as I I read the paragraphs you you have written on the website, it's like it's totally different. And I, I you know that's my first question because I think it's it's very important. Um, like I like for me, like I I started my own brand, right? Dream, inspire, obtain. And uh, I'm an individual that I I don't know how to talk about myself. I don't know how to tell you my story. I don't I I just don't know how. You know, I, you know, I guess growing up, uh, I grew up in an environment that wasn't always about me. It was about, you know, my surroundings. So it's difficult for me. So like when somebody asks me, what does dream uh, inspire obtain mean? I'm like, uh, dreamer inspire other Jesus, uh, other dreamers to obtain their goal. But it's so much more than that. I sometimes I get so frustrated on explaining what it is when I, I don't have the the, the the right words to explain. Am I making sense? <laughs> Absolutely. You are like the clients I work with all the time. But, you know, it takes a really strong team. And that's that's one of the reasons I love what I do is because I know I truly help those people. You know, they come to me with a need. Look, I'm giving a presentation to my team, to my investors. I need a story. Well, that person has a different skill set, you know, and that's what makes my heart sing because I can help them with my skill set. You know, that person might be the CEO. He might have an MBA. He might know all about investing and crunching numbers. That's so boring to me. And I don't know any of that. You know, I have to hire a CPA to help me, but they don't know how to communicate what they need to get across. And that's where my skill set comes in. So us working together, we're going to come up with a fantastic story. You know, I'm there to help them to do that. You know, and have you ever listened to someone telling a story and you're thinking, what is the point? That person's just rattling on and on. It's like, oh my God, what are they talking about? You lose, yeah, you lose interest because it sounds as rather than tell a story or talk, it sounds like um, they're going on a rant. Yeah. 
And, and just like that example I shared with you a few minutes ago, when I, yes. when I said she put on her emerald green dress, stepped into her black stiletto heel, selected the perfect hat for the occasion, people will call that story. That's not anywhere near being story. So I, I want to be clear for you and all your listeners, that was not story. Because what I shared with you was simply a series of events. And that's it. Now, that series of events could be developed into story, but it's going to take a heck of a lot of work before you ever reach story. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like I said, it just amazes me what people are calling story. I'll get, uh, have you ever gone to a networking meeting? And they'll say, okay, we're going to go around the room. You know, the 35 people. Mm -hmm. You have a minute and a half to tell your story. Well, there is no way on God's earth. (laughs) (laughs) And who is going to remember that? You know, you stand up, you have time to tell them your name, maybe your title. That's it. And if that. But they're calling it story. You know, it's like, I, I understand why people are so confused. But then when they start to learn about story, it's a sensational communication tool. But another thing that's so confusing in the business world is people are trying to use story as a sales tool. Yes. That is not the way to use story. And you won't be successful because it's still going to be a sales pitch and you try to wrap it up in a story. But, you know, when people are trying to sell you something, you get that icky feelings like, ah, I'm in the middle of a sales pitch. No, storytelling is a communication tool. And that's the way to work with it. But unfortunately, the marketing world has been trying to force story into a sales tool. And it's just not working because that's not the way to to use stories. Yeah, they're they're trying to almost uh the consumer make the consumer feel as they need to empathize or feel something move be moving so they can purchase whatever they're trying to sell but it's still sales isn't it yes still feels yucky if you gotta buy something still sells (laughs) yeah now now there are certain types of stories to tell in the business world but selling is not one of them And, you know, telling a business story is exceedingly different from telling a story for sheer entertainment purposes. You've got to work with business story strategically. And there's a reason you're telling that story. Because I I do the storytelling for entertainment purposes, too. Mm -hmm. But it's a very different type of story. And you're in a very different arena. Yes, yes. When when your clients approach you, do they like, I want to use this story or this information, right? And have you often find yourself telling them we can't use that? Is that factual? We need more in depth? Right. Well, usually what they want to share is, again, nothing that could be ever categorized as story. So we have to find a story. And like I said, a true story about them so do you go up to like the 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 founder of the company because to to find a realistic story like that you will have to go to the origins of it right for for it can make sense definitely 
Well, you think about the business world today. You know, it's so different from other generations. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to be sold to. Today, it's not about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. Because in business today, we do business with people we know, like, and trust. That's what storytelling will do for you. I mean, if you have ever gone into any kind of situation and someone walks in and says, you know what, I am the most honest person walking the face of the earth. No one's going to believe you. You're not going to believe that. But if you could share a story that indicates something that you did in the past. Show your values. And shows you're an honest person. People will remember it. And that is what we want to know. What kind of person are you? Are you a person who keeps their word? Are you an honest person? Are you trustworthy? Facts, numbers, and statistics can never communicate that. What can? An excellent story. Here's an example. One of the stories that you want to share in the business arena are what I call beginning stories. And the beginning story is a story about you as a child growing up, you know, that growing up period, that's when we learn all of our life lessons, all our values. And by telling that kind of story, you can indicate what kind of person you are. Uh, Say, for example, you and your brother loved to play baseball when you were growing up and you had a neighborhood team, you'd go out on a big field and everyone played on that field every day after school. Well, say one of the kids hit the ball one day, the ball flew over and went through the window of a neighbor, broke the window's glass. All the kids left the baseball field except you. You go over and knock on that neighbor's door and you say, I'm so sorry. Can I have our ball back? And I will pay to have your window replaced. That kind of thing. No one has to be told, look, I am an honest person. Mm -hmm. You share the story. And they completely understand. Yeah, I But totally, now that person is thinking, oh, my gosh, this is someone yeah. I will work with. I totally I totally understand the concept. I do like now and in this time frame, this generation, a lot of people try to sell themselves rather than, you know, almost just prove themselves. You know, only time can tell what kind of person you are or or just share a meaningful, heartwarming story like you, you shared. Um you know, a lot of it's a lot of trust me, trust me rather than get to know me or that time uh, tell who the type of person I am. Exactly. So that kind of beginning story is so valuable in the workplace. You know, part of story is some kind of problem or dilemma or confrontation. Well, how you handle that problem makes you the kind of person you are. You're the one who went over to the neighbor. You know, you're shaking in your boots like, I'm so sorry. I know you are angry. We broke your window, but I am going to get a job after school and I'll pay for this window. Can I have my ball back? You know, you're the person who did that. It speaks volume about you. You know, all those values that your parents tried to instill in you. Well, some people get them, but some people don't. Yeah, Yeah. but those values, they stick with us our whole life. That's the kind of person you are. 
Yes, yeah. yes. I can imagine you you there there's has to have been moments that you made like certain individual cry because you touch you you ask them to go in depth and because as as time because as I want to say as successful individual goes they forget to to they 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 forget their 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 values they forget how hard was it to start and how they you know they're so so far in that level that they don't remember so I can imagine you you've sat down and have people just think and, and sometimes just break down because you know those are not easy memories it's so true you know some of those lessons we learn they're really hard lessons yes and they you know that's why they get in us and they stay in us they're hard but but you're right i do have quite a few stories that will bring people to tears and every one of them is a true story I don't know why this has happened to me in my life, but I've almost lost my life 12 different times in very, very different ways. And those stories, they tend to bring people to tears. But I will tell you, you we all have hardships. We all have things we have to get past and deal with. But those are the stories that usually people start to cry. They're like, well, God, I can't believe you're still with us. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I think that. I, I think, you know, especially the, the last one, I was sure that would be the one that would get me, but I'm still here. So I know that there's a reason I'm still here. Not sure what it is. I'm sorry, this is my baby. This is Sophia. Hi, Hi Sophia. She's a little cutie. <laughs> she is a love. Yeah. So, yes, I I have in in my personal arsenal, because once you become a storyteller, you're going to need quite a few different stories. Like anything else, people don't want to hear the same story over and over. You know, it's going to lose its impact because they know the story. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. Um, The best time to hear a story is the first time. Yes. You know, So, so you need not just one story. You need different types of stories, but you need to keep them fresh. Because what a storyteller has to do is get their listeners curious. Because you need your listeners to be thinking, what happens next? You got to keep them with you. Yes. Intrigued. Yes. And that's where your writing and your telling skills come in. They're two really different skill sets. Your vocabulary. It's a very important skill for a storyteller. Again, those words that will keep your listener going, oh, I haven't heard that word in two decades. Good word. You know, keep them really interested. There's so many ways you can do that, but they require all those different skills. Yeah. Yes. Something that I can imagine throughout years, you just get better at. If you keep, you know, constant doing it, just do it. Like any skill, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. Yeah. So you keep that skill honed, which of course is what I do because I work with story every day. Yes. Um, like any other skill, you hone it, you will be good. Do you, have you ever thought about just uh, publishing a book of stories or just writing anything like a memoir or, or I'll tell you this much. If you ever write a book of storytelling business, it'll be very useful. It'll be a number one seller in these in, in this corporate world because they need more of that. 
You are so dear. Thank you for saying I, that. I worked at, um, I'm not going to say a place, but I worked at this corporation. And every year they would uh, invest in, you know, motivational books and to help their, their employees and whatnot get inspired and whatnot. And, you know, what the, the, the storytelling business, I think it will be more productive than, you know, actually having somebody to tell you, you got to get up, you got to do it. You know, there's, <laughs> but that's what it oh. is nowadays. Yeah. Because they're learning a new skill and that skill is going to stay with them. I think it's much more valuable than listening to some kind of self-help or motivational speech. But again, you know, I'm biased. This is what I do. Yes, yes, yes. But what makes, what makes such a big difference to me is this is going to have to be something you do. You're going to have to do all the work because you have to develop those skills. I mean, you can listen to my stories all evening long, but just listening to my stories isn't going to help you. You know, we get to work. These are the skills you're going to have to develop. We get to work and we start working on story. But I love it. I love the journey. Yes, yes. Yeah, and like I said, once I start educating the people I work with, their eyes are just open. But now, see, this is one of the reasons that I know I help them, Dio. Now they have a new set of skills. They have a new tool. And it's the communication skills. Because there are actually very few people who are good communicators. Mm. Most people are not strong in that area, but it's an incredible skill set to be really a good communicator. Working on story will do that for you. I can imagine if you like ever do like a workshop of of writers, just general writers about story, sports, you you inspire so much because like uh, in this generation, this is something that's called a lot of uh, writer's block. I'm sorry if, I, if I'm saying it correct, but it's like I've throughout the years, I've I've heard it increase in more and more and more. I can't write. I'm blocked. I'm blocked. But yet just hearing you and, and how you explain it and the essence of it. You like the cure for writer's block. Oh, that is so dear. Thank you for <laughs> saying that. And uh, just to let you know, I am a published author. So I yes. have. Yes, I have a book that I've written, a book of stories. And they're all stories of when I grew up in Italy. Well, I need so, to read this book. Oh, you're so dear. So I actually grew up in the mafia capital of the world. Yes, yes. I, I grew up in Palermo, Sicily. Yes, yes, in Palermo, Sicily. And while I was there in Palermo, I almost lost my life three times because of the mafia. Now, it's not like that today. Italy of today is very different. They were in our face back then. Yes, yes. So my book is called Sicilian Stories, Living Just Off the Toe of Italy's Boot. Wow. But they're all stories about me growing up. There's a story about the Contessa. I'm definitely going to seek that. I'm I'm fascinated with, you know, I don't want to say obsessed. It's too much. But I'm fascinated with with this whole uh, Cosa Nostra mom mentality. You know, I'm I'm, for some reason calls my attention. I I don't know why. I just don't know why. But um, yeah, I will tell you, I um, I'm in a lot of storytelling slams 
So it's a competition, of course, there's going to be a winner. Um, And I do believe that that gives me a leg up because I I haven't met another storyteller who has stories about the mafia. And I agree. It well, how could they? You're right th- you were right there in the almost in the Mecca. <laughs> in the Mecca, like how how who who top that? No one. Well, I haven't met anyone else who grew up in Palermo. That's so uh, beautiful. So it does give me a leg up. Yeah. And I, I like that leg up. Yes. Because <laughs> I get tired like anyone else of hearing the same kind of stories over and over. So yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Wow. Oh, like I said, I wouldn't trade my childhood with anyone else's. No, uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. That must have been a, a crazy time. Uh, you know, you met you, you, you've had like a, a an extraordinary childhood, you know, from famous opera singers. You know, they write this, you know, because people love the opera when they're over there. They go there. They, they want to live that lifestyle. And I, I can imagine you had incredible, incredible. I'll tell you, I still miss the Contessa. I have never met any other person like her. She was so full of life. And the Contessa is the person who taught me about life. Yes. She's the one who gave me all my values. And please don't get me wrong. I love my parents. They're your second mom. Yeah. Definitely. But they were just really different type of people. They were so American. And what I'm saying is my mother wasn't one of those lovey-dovey feeling mothers. She was rather distant. I don't ever remember my parents hugging me. And when I would ask them a question, I was a curious kid. I'm still really curious. I would ask my parents a question and their answer would be because I said so. Now, when I asked the Contessa a question, If it took her an hour to answer, she would sit down and take an hour to answer. But she taught me about music, about life, about color, about architecture. She taught me how to cook. She had all of this going on herself. She was just amazing. I can imagine for for a a woman that was that she was scared to to leave her house. I mean, there's a reason why she was scared to leave her house. Life, you know, so much cooped up in one person like she can you know give so much knowledge about life and teach well she had only one reason only one reason would make her leave her home and that was to say goodbye and what i mean is she would go to her friend's funerals Mm. that is the only way she would step out of the house to say goodbye and the day that my family and I left Sicily. My father got another big promotion and we moved from Sicily to Trinidad, a completely different part of the world. The airport was about a two and a half hour drive from where we lived and I did not want to leave. And the major reason was I didn't want to leave the Contessa. I mean, I knew she was so special to me. I I couldn't imagine life without her and I did not want to leave. But we drove to the airport. I walked into the airport and who was there? The Contessa. She came out to say goodbye to me. And I can't even tell you. I knew how difficult it was for her to walk out her front door. But she, she did it for me. Wow. 
she was amazing. Just incredible. I can imagine but, how, how difficult that felt. And just to think about it. Oh, I, tears. I, I couldn't believe she left her apartment for me. I, I just couldn't believe it. But that's how I got interest in story. So wow. it's from, you know, I was this tall. And I start learning about story from fabulous instructors. Yeah. It was just amazing. And opera, right? They 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 they, they sing and they're almost storytelling as well. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, Music that, is so important to Italians. Yes. Food is so important. Their culture, they're so proud. Oh, it's just fascinating. And you know, like I said, don't get me wrong, I love my parents. They were just different kind of people. But I had two families. Yes. And I'm so grateful for it. Well, you, you were very fortunate enough to, you know, I, I say all the time, you, if you, when you're a child, you got to grow up to be the person you need, you, you need, you needed to be as a child. And you had that, you, you know, you had your family, but yet you had someone there that you needed them to be there for you, you know, and. Yeah. It was, and you know, I, I think everyone needs mentors. Yes. I hope everyone has a mentor. I think they're so important. I, so. I've, I have no luck. I, I have no luck. I have no luck. I, I don't know what, what is having a mentor is. It's, you know, I tell my wife all the time, it's, it's been difficult growing up in, in my surroundings uh, and doing everything myself, my, you know, solo. And, and, and to um, have somebody mentor me on life you know, when majority of my life I've done it alone, it's, it's, it's very difficult for me, you know. It just makes all the difference in the world. You know, that old saying to know the road ahead as someone coming back. Yes. Someone who's already been there. Yes. Yeah, we need yes. mentors. Yes. And I'm, I'm so fortunate because now I am a mentor and I have been for some time. You, you pass it forward. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I grew up in a bar in Puerto Rico, and uh, just like you, I, I used to hear a lot of stories, you know, especially, you know, when somebody's it's tipsy and under the influence of alcohol, they, they talk a lot. So, you know, if that's a form of mentoring, because, you know, I learned a lot of what not to do, which, um, you know, I, I, I don't drink, I don't use any drugs or substance, you know, because of, uh, of that surrounding. And those, you know, quote unquote mentors. But how valuable were those lessons, Dio? I mean, yes. you learned what you did not want to do. Yes. And yes. learning it so early, what a gift. Yes, yes. It really was a gift when you look back. You know, we don't recognize what's happening when we're kids, you know, but looking back, you're like, wow, that really opened my eyes. A gift. A gift. Yeah. Yes. And I bet it was fascinating growing yes, up. Yes, yes. I, I met a lot of. You know, I grew up with my grandparents, so they, you know, I was, uh, you know, Domino's. Oh, sure. Yeah. Game. So um, my grandfather, uh, he owned the store, one and a half of the store. He would have like Domino, Domino tournaments. And I used to sit next to him and I used to, you know, hear different stories about when they were growing up and, you know, how we do pranks and, you know, how describing what, you know, how was that time back then and what were some of the difficulties and challenges and whatnot. So I, I you know, I sometimes 
I wish I can just go back. Uh, some I feel like I because I was so young, I was a child, you know, like you six, seven years old. I feel like sometimes I, I, I you know, I took that for granted because there is so much knowledge, just you know. And then it, it was an organic conversation. They were just talking, you know, and everything was so flowing. Yes, and I bet it was just fascinating. Yes, listening yes. to them. Yes. Me too. As a kid, I was just so fascinated. Intrigued. You learn learn so much just by listening. And that's a huge part of being a good communicator. Most people are very poor listeners. But it's a huge component. Yeah. I try to go by, uh, uh, what's the quote? Uh, Speak once and listen twice. Ah, that's really good advice, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yes. that's a good one to remember. Yes, very. It's very important. You know, you never just, you know, to, in in you know today's society with a lot of mental health, it's important to to listen because you never know who's going through something. Sometimes, majority uh, of the youth nowadays just need somebody to listen. Oh, it's it's so wonderful when you can find someone who will listen, because. I think most conversations are just alternating monologues. Is there anyone out there who's really listening? It's just people are just waiting for their turn to speak. Yes. But they're not really listening and taking in what the other person has shared. Yes. And they're antsy and just about to uh, yeah. outspurt, uh, outspurt whatever you know they have in their mind because they just want to get it out there. So that's one of the things I, uh, growing up, there was a uh, radio. Not much TV, radio. So I, you know, that's why I got into podcasting. I just remember just listening, you know, rather than watching and and, and just enjoying it. Hearing stories on the radio or just uh, me, uh, interviews or conversations. I, I, I tend to enjoy because I was listening to them, you know, and I, and I could do 20 million things while I'm listening, right? rather than, than sit at one place and watch something. Uh, and while you were listening, you were creating all of those images. Yes, yes. That made it so special for you. Yes. And that's why you can still remember it now that you're an adult. It happened years ago. Yes, yes. The co-creation of story, such a powerful thing. Yes, yes. Very important, very important. So that's one of the things. If you want people to remember what you say, tell them a great story and they will remember. And then have that uh, sense of, how, how do I say, the delivery, like how you deliver the message and the story. It's very important. I've, um, I've, oh. I've and within documentaries and movies, I've always been fascinated with that aspect. It's, you know, like you said, you, there's so there, there's so constructed. There's so many parts of it telling a story, but you know one of the most uh, important parts is delivering it. Oh yes. Well, the fact is there are four types of languages, four types of language, but most people only deal on one type. So the four types of language are vocal, verbal physical and emotional. If you are someone who can bring all of those to the table and you're very good at them, 
you will be an outstanding communicator. Because most people just stick on the verbal level of language, which is the actual words. But there's so much more to it. Yeah. Yes. So it's fascinating. What what was your first time? Like, how was your first time? What did you feel in the first time you gave a a, a storytelling uh, (laughs) seminar or were you in like in school? Like how describe it to me? Like, how was it? Well, it was fabulous because again, when I share the information and people start working on their skills that the light bulbs always go off. I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I understand. And yes, I do give a lot of workshops. I'll go into corporations. You know, they hire me. They, I need you to train my team, my whole team. We need to be using storytelling. So I usually have a group and I just love it. I love when everything starts to click. I love seeing how nervous they are the first time they get up in front of everyone and tell their story. And then the progress they make. And before I leave, you know, we might have a workshop might be five days in a row. But when I leave, I can see how they've progressed and improved their storytelling. So it, it fills my heart. But that's what I meant, Dio. I absolutely know that I help people. And that's what makes the difference. It makes the difference. Yeah. So it's, it's a fabulous journey for me. Yeah, no, I can imagine. What is that quote? Uh, work a day in your life, doing something you love. You, it's, you never worked again, something like that. I'm, yeah, I'm it, botching. It, I apologize. It, it's not work. If you're doing yeah. something you love, it's not even work. Correct, correct. But again, growing up in Italy, I feel so fortunate because I was exposed to languages. Uh, right Do you now, speak, I, are you fluent in, in, in oh, Italian? I, I speak three languages, yes. Oh. So language has always been something that truly interests me. And, you know, <clears throat> some words can simply not be translated. There are some words Italians use. There is no equivalent to English in English. And the same thing with the French. There are words that they understand. We Words, language has always been fascinating to me. And I get to deal with it when I'm working on story. So, yeah. It's, it's good to, it's good it's to speak to, to, to people like you who are passionate about what they do and, 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 and just finding that there's so much, it's so much lack. I, I don't, I, I don't understand if it's the times we're in, but they lack that passion, you know? Yeah. Everybody's doing a, a blog or, or, or you or YouTube, but it's, it's, they are doing it to monetize to make money out of it. But this, the, there's no lack of passion. You know, like when you speak from the from the moment you started to, you know, now I, I, w- I was intrigued and fascinated. You you got me <laughs> locked down. You know, I all I want to do is listen to you. Oh, right? that's so good to hear. And, but, but the thing is, you speak from the heart. Yes. And you know, it comes from the heart. And just like you said, if you're involved in something you love, it's not work. But then, you know, when I walk out, when I walk away from the training, when I leave the stage after giving a keynote speech, I know I have helped them. And that's so important to me. I think that might be why I'm still here. Yes. There is a way that I can help other people. Yes. And yes. it's my communication skills. 
which most people just take for granted. Yes. Is it not, this, how do I say it? Like, I, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, one not middle, can't remember, I walked away from a high pain uh, corporation. You know, I, you know, I felt like I was so much, so many years just burned out that, that I, I was eager to feel this feeling when I hear you talk of inspiration of just do something you love. Right. And, and like, I'm hearing you speak and you're, you're, you're just giving me flashback of, of you know, reassuring me why I, I made the difficult decision of leaving and embarking in something I have no regard, you know, I didn't know what world was it. I didn't know how to start it. I didn't know how to develop it or, or describe it, but I know this feeling and, and the feeling when I hear you te- uh, hear you speak and you, and you're, we, you know, your amazing words, you know, you remind me of that feeling that, that I want so much and it's passionate about doing something you love. And that's, you know, that's clearly what you've been doing all these years. Oh, yeah. And we need so much. We need so much of people like you in this world right now. And I mean that. And and aren't you much happier leaving the corporate world? Yes. I mean, it's financially, it's, you know, let's say rent got to get paid, you know. But, you know, you have no idea how grateful i've you know i have an autistic son right and this has been the most time since he was two uh i have spent with him and gotten to know with him a gift yes 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 time together is a gift yes yeah there's always going to be struggles but when you're involved in something you have such passion for it makes the journey so much more valuable. You know, we're on this planet for a really a short time. Yes. We need to enjoy what we're doing. And I'm like you, I started out in the corporate world. Oh, not a good fit. It was never a good fit for me. I'm so much happier outside of the corporate world. Yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I got to, you know, I got to a little bit, got more closer with my wife, got to, finally be a dad right because working in these corporals you know they they they're so time consuming you know i remember exhausting yes i remember a time i wake up at five or six o'clock in the morning i didn't come home until 6 p.m or 10 p.m and when i come home they're still calling me and by then your your baby's asleep you still yes. don't see him yes yeah yeah well you know Life is all about choices. What's more important? Some of those choices are really hard to make. Yes. Yeah. And coming to that juncture, making that decision, I'm going to spend more time with my family. That could be developed into a great story. Yes. About the kind of person you are. Yeah. Great story to share. Yes. Because that was a dilemma. You were at a crossroads, a junction. What do I do? But that's yeah. what we've been talking about today, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Very 
very mind-boggling, very, very shocking, you know. It's so important, you know. You know, I, I can't, I can't, like, I can't break the thought because, you know, like I said, I started reading it and I got so intrigued about storytelling, but yet all you have said and broke down and it's so important. It's so important. It's so important for, you know, like right now that uh, small businesses are, 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 you know, pick it up through the, you know, because of the pandemic, these, you know, they need people like you that to help them share that story, share that story. Yeah. To share the value. Yes. Of what their service or product can do for people. It's not about telling a story about the product. No. How great my dishwashing powder is. It is not (laughs) about that at all. But if you can tell a story about how your product or service has helped another person or improved their life, that is a way to work with story strategically in the business world. It's not about the product. It's about the person and the journey the person goes on. Yes, yes, yes. So, so empowering. I, I can't, I'm in shock, but like a happy shock, an intrigued <laughs> shock. A happy shock. Yes. Well, you know, storytelling is, is like any other skill. The good ones make it look easy. But as we've been Years talking, preparation. there are so many skills that need to come together to be a good storyteller. So many. So you got to be strong in a lot of areas. Yes. Yeah. Um, when I, 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 I tend to, you know, when I'm seeking guests, I tend to, um, you know, just explore on Instagram and I saw yours, you're, you're called my attention the most because you have, um, a fun pod, podcast guest. And I got so intrigued as well. I was like, I'm going to send you a message. Um, and here we are. And it's been a delight. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you did. I think a conversation should be fun. Yes, yes. And this yeah. is what I, I tell people all the time. I try to avoid these lengthy interviews. I, I, if you feel as an interview, I'm definitely not doing my job. It's, <laughs> it's, it's you know, get that pressure out. Just having a normal conversation and, and sometimes a almost deep intellectual conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and... Talk about life. Yeah. Like, like you had this extraordinary life from opera singers, from the mafia, uh, meeting new and incredible people each and every day. Like, you're having the time of your life. And people are fascinating. Yeah. They're fascinating. You're yeah. fascinating creatures. I, I think so. Everyone's so, so different. It's, it's just fascinating to learn what makes someone tick. Uh, yeah, I've always been so interested in that, which is another way that Contessa helped me. You know, uh, everything in my life, it always points back to the Contessa. Yeah. And like I said, I, I miss her to this day. I miss her. So Have you ever thought a, of a large like writing like a memoir for her or telling her story or I don't know enough about her career oh. 
um, to tell the story like it should be told, you know? Um, now I have plenty of stories about she and I and how we interfaced, but about her career, there isn't much information around. Um, so I don't know that much about it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, all of her friends have long since passed, you know, she's been gone a long time too, but Maybe that was meant to be because I carry on her legacy. Yeah, I talk about her all the time. And you carry her well. She should be very proud. Thank you for that. I am. I'm proud just to have known her. She was such a big influence on my life. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. I I definitely need to get your book. I am. uh, I'm stunned. (laughs) I'm stunned to to hear your background. I. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna reread I'm gonna be reading it. I'm gonna be sending you a message to get more deep and depth <laughs> behind the story. Um oh, thank great. you, thank you for joining me today. It's been a delight, it's been a pleasure, it's been an honor. Oh, I have enjoyed it immensely, Dio. Thank you. Thank no, thank you. Um, where can the people find you? Well, uh, they can certainly find me on my website, which is simply faefulton.com. That's F-A-Y-E-F-U-L-T-O-N.com. And like you mentioned, you found me on Instagram. I, I post on Instagram daily. I share a lot of information about storytelling. Um, and that is faefulton underscore speaker. That's, and of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this, it, this has been a, an incredible storytelling uh, podcast with so much um, life moments that that uh, I'm in shock. I, you're an incredible human being. You're an incredible person. You're an incredible speaker. Uh, I am honored to have you here. You have no idea how much you have inspired me. In the in the in these past forty five, and you know, I think an hour. Thank you thank for you sharing. For thank you for sharing, and uh, we will be in touch. That sounds great. Thank you. You are so welcome, and thank you again.